to The Words of Wesleyan, a podcast from the Shapiro Center for Writing where we explore the words and people that shape our university community. On today's episode, we're talking to Professor Steve Collins and Audrey Mills, two filmmakers involved in the Wesleyan community. Each of them will present a segment from a work which has been influential for them and then speak about the role of writing in their studies and lives. First up, we'll hear from Steve Collins, an associate professor of film at Wesleyan and a professional filmmaker. His film work focuses on spiritual rehabilitation through humor, pain, love, and cinema. The feature film, You Hurt My Feelings, which he wrote and directed, was a New York Times and New York Magazine critics pick, available digitally through the Solescope. And his most recent film, the comedy I've Got Issues, is now available digitally through Gravitas Ventures. Here's Steve Collins. I'm Steve Collins, uh, and I teach over in the film department. I teach film production, and I teach screenwriting, mostly. (laughs) Great. We're so happy to have you on today. And what piece did you bring in to talk about? Well, I brought in uh, Samuel Fuller's 1964 film, uh, The Naked Kiss, which I saw when I was a student at Wesleyan. I was a student. I'm a class of 96. uh, And... Uh, one sort of uh, boring kind of Thursday night, I wandered into our, uh, what was the screening room then over in the art workshops. And there used to be 16 millimeter prints that would just be kind of left over there from the classes. And we were allowed to kind of go in and screen them if we wanted to. Um, And I kind of wandered in there and there would always be little treasures there. Uh, And I did, you know, I had kind of a sheltered uh, existence and I wasn't exposed to a lot of uh, unusual films. Uh, And uh, one evening I went in there with a friend and we uh, we pulled out the naked kiss and said, well, that's an interesting title. Let's put this on. And I put that film on and this opening happens that uh, that we're about to see here. And it really blew my mind and changed how I think about screenwriting. (laughs) Do you want me to describe the opening? (laughs) Yes, um, go for it. What is this opening scene that you brought in to talk about? So it starts with a woman and we just see her swinging at the camera and she is beating a some kind of uh, some kind of man with her purse and she is just kind of whapping 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 really going at him and he's stumbling around and he looks like he might be drunk or you know under the influence of something and she's beating away at him and suddenly he reaches up and grabs her hair and pulls off her hair and she's completely bald. (laughs) And then she continues to kind of knock him down to the ground. And uh, she then goes through his wallet and says to him, $800, you parasite. I'm taking only what's coming to me. 50, 60, 70, 75. I'm not rolling you, you drunken leech. I'm taking only the $75 that's coming to me. And then uh, she goes over to the vanity and she puts that wig on like a lady. (laughs) She puts that wig back on 
and like puts it up and then the title comes over Naked Kiss. And I just thought, now that's a hell of an opening to a movie. Uh, I want to watch more of this. Uh, and, you know, when I, what, what I think what sort of just suddenly clicked into me was one thing we talk about in writing classes, which is this concept of starting uh, in media res, which just means, uh, you know, in the middle of the action. I've never seen a opening that sort of defined that, you know, more succinctly than uh, the naked kiss. Uh, the other thing is, you know, it made me realize was the power of putting character into action, you know, into something that we can observe and make deductions and how enjoyable it is to be a little detective as a writer. You know, I think most writers, whether you're a screenwriter or a prose writer, we're people watchers, you know, we're little nosy people watchers. <laughs> you know, we sit in the airport while we're waiting for our plane and we sit and we look for drama, <laughs> you know, and I think good screenwriting really takes advantage of that. When you have people talking and telling you who they are and what their problems are, it's actually really disengaging the audience's ability to put it together for themselves. Because what you get from that is you start to get character. This is a very tough woman, <laughs> and but she is not a villain. She has integrity. She's going to just... <laughs> take so this guy wronged her in some way we have no idea how and she's going to take just what he owes her <laughs> and just that and she's not gonna you know she's not gonna be a doormat and then she's gonna put her wig back on and she's gonna go on for the rest of the day and then there's of course another thing that we teach was which is you know when you're writing a scene in a movie you really want to give them something but withhold something so that they want to keep watching. And that bald, that giant bald head of hers is really withholding something. And we do start to put it together. Why would she be bald? And you go through all in your head, the thinking process. Well, does she have cancer? Does she have, you know, you know, does, uh, does she have some kind of disease, you know, some kind of skin thing, you know, you kind of go through all the options but it withholds and and it pulls you into the movie you want to know what happened there and is what happened there connected to why she's so mad at this guy you know and and that's what pulls you into the rest of the scene give the audience something that they can observe and deduce but withhold something um and uh that really changed i i think anytime i write a movie I think of that opening, you know, I really do like Justin, like, you know, in my movies aren't as nutty as that, but, but I try to find a way to hook the audience in the middle of something and something that, you know, grabs them. Uh, and it might grab them in a, in a, not as a violent way uh, as that, but I want to grab their emotions and I want to tell them what, you know, with the beginning of a film, what are they 
you know, what is the drama they're going to be following? And this tells you this is going to be a story. And that what this ends up being is a story of a woman with a checkered past who's trying to pull herself together, basically put her wig on. <laughs> She's trying to pull herself together and she goes and she starts a uh, starts working as a nurse at a, uh, 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 a a center for kids with disabilities. Uh, and but then, of course, her past uh, rears its ugly head. <laughs> and we find out what why she's bald. <laughs> wow. It definitely seems like it's an awesome movie and one that's been really influential for you as a screenwriter. Um, can you talk a little bit about sort of your history with writing and how you came to screenwriting specifically? Well, I always loved writing. I mean, it was always my favorite uh, subject in, you know, primary school. Um, I, my English teachers, and I'm sure you can relate to this, my English teachers were like my therapists. Uh, <laughs> you, you, they were, they understood and rewarded sensitivity and uh and observation and, uh, and thoughtfulness. Um, and so I always felt like, especially in high school, my English teachers were like, it was like going to confession or something. And so I always liked writing, um, but uh, it was uh, the transition to figuring out how to write film was a little uh, clunky um, because I didn't realize it was so different. I thought it was just like regular writing. Um, uh, and, you know, when I first started writing screenplays, I, I just started writing plays because I didn't know the difference. And I just wrote some very terrible, terrible screenplays. And, you know, they were just full of people talking about things I didn't quite understand yet. Uh, but, you know, when you're in high school, you get excited about things like existentialism and you know all the stuff you're reading and and you just <laughs> there was a kind of I is this okay for radio to say uh, a diarrhea of the mouth <laughs> you can bleep that out <laughs> a uh you find a, a nicer way to put it but I was uh, experiencing uh a little of that and then you know what I noticed in my uh in my writing when I started making little movies on my own was that the only parts that I could watch over and over again were the parts that had action in them. And I, I don't mean like, you know, necessarily like car chases because I couldn't figure out how to do that. I barely had my license, you know, <laughs> but the parts just where people were like walking down, walking. I, I sort of, I intuitively then was drawn to the power of movement on screen. And that's the thing with that we talk about a lot in our screenwriting classes and our filmmaking classes is the power of movement and how to turn movement and action into uh, into meaning, you know, and how to tell a story that way because that's really film's gift. Um, you know, it's it's a kind of experiential medium. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people would sort of associate the role of a screenwriter with dialogue and sort of mainly see that as the spoken words that happen in a film. But it seems like you're pointing also to a role of the screenwriter as sort of dictating this movement and creating this movement that then the director will um, be able to film and turn into 
um, a finished product, but it begins with the screenplay. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's the thing that I try to sort of, I try to point out in, in my class is that it's not really intuitive that you would think that. But when you look at the actual screenplay, you see, wait, this is all written there. Now, of course, the the particulars of it and the the, you know, how the director chooses to make that action dynamic or, you know, poetic or, you know, that is the, you know, the director. But the actual writing into action, uh, into characters doing something and then us observing what they're doing, that is the screenwriter. And of course, there are all different kinds of screenwriters. In my class, I talk about, um, you know, there are, it's a spectrum and there are screenwriters whose work is more on the page and more off the page. And the more on the page are people like Aaron Sorkin and uh, Kenneth Lonergan, people who really come from either TV writing or playwriting or, you know, thing like that. And it's totally valid, but they have to find a way, they still have to find a way to reckon with the image or else you get kind of a dead kind of a dead non-dramatic, you know, frame. Uh, and, you know, it's sort of like when you, uh, I don't know if you ever, uh, like in high school, when the teacher was uh, uh, tired, they used to put on, uh, they used to put on an English class, like filmed plays. So movies that, you know, where someone just popped up a camera and films like Romeo and Juliet. Did you ever have that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know how those feel kind of dead? It's like not as good as, as, going to the theater they feel kind of like dead you know that's the thing about uh, film is if you have a dead frame that's not alive and imbued with drama uh you can't just put good words on top of pretty words on top of it and have it come to life you know you have to kind of think of it as a very uh, um, a living moving thing uh, because that's if you know if you think about the movies you love they feel very alive you know, uh, and uh, so how you deal with movement and action, whether you're doing uh, Manchester by the Sea, like a Kenneth Lonergan kind of very written. Uh, oh, he's an alum, by the way. <laughs> uh, Go West. I think he was only here a couple of years. Uh, and uh, uh, or if you're doing, you know, um, something like uh, whatever Transformers, another alum. <laughs> you know, which is a lot of uh, movement, which is sort of a ballet of movement. Hmm. I think that a lot of times, especially with prose writing, people think of writing as something that is very solitary where the author sits down and they dictate and then they give the book and it is sort of divinely imposed onto the writer who then just sends it out. But I think the writing is always a very collaborative process. And I think that's especially true with screenwriting. So I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about sort of the writer's role as part of a team of people who come together to make a film. Well, you know, there are all different cases. There's a long tradition of writing partners. Um, One of the ones we study in in my classes of Billy Wilder and Charles Brackett. And uh, Billy was uh, really good with structure. Billy Wilder, he's one of the great screenwriters, wrote Some Like It Hot, The Apartment, you know, all that, uh, Sunset Boulevard. 
Um, and uh, Brackett was, uh, Billy Wilder was a non-native English speaker and Brackett was uh, really good with dialogue. He's a very erudite uh, kind of witty uh, uh, fellow. Uh, and so, you know, they certainly had a kind of very intense collaboration marriage that actually ended up in a, a very uh, uh, ugly divorce, uh, just like, a, uh, you know, marriage uh, can. And um, but and then there are all different cases, you know, sometimes the screenwriter uh, is hired to on a job and is really collaborating with the director in film. Um, the uh, the the director is really the sort of ultimate sort of creative control and usually uh, and. Uh, so sometimes you have the director really working with the screenwriter and sort of they're working on it together. But then there are other cases and that would be like a Alfred Hitchcock or something who would really sit with his screenwriters and kind of commission uh, the screenplay uh, and work it out with them and say, I'd like them to, you know, have a scene on Mount Rushmore figure it out. <laughs> and, uh, and then there are uh, people more like uh, Clint Eastwood, who really just find a script they like and don't change a word and shoot it. So it, it really depends on, uh, it kind of depends on the situation. It can kind of go uh, all over the place. I personally like screenwriting because at least during the time of writing, it's like just mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have to put it out in the world and have people step on it. You know, it's just mine. And I think most writers feel that kind of intimacy uh, that you can have with a piece of creative work. Uh, you know, especially most writers have some degree of uh, introversion, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I like that that part of being sort of inside the creative world with the with the script or whatever I'm writing. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, and then television writing, television writing is very common to have writers rooms uh, and that's very collaborative. Um, but um, that's not something I teach. But, you know, just because we have so many alum who do that, um, I'm just familiar with it anecdotally uh, that, you know, they're really sort of figuring out the overall structure of a season and then assigning together and kind of brainstorming and figuring out the structure of the whole season and then assigning kind of individual episodes to individual writers or partners. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of variation in, uh, uh, in screenwriting and, and writing for uh, television. Mm. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, I feel like writing is always a matter of going into a very sort of internal place and yeah. then giving over what you've created to someone else and whether you're giving it over to a reader if you've written a novel or giving it over to a director and there's always a process of a writer creating something and then someone else taking that thing and transforming it to their own vision of what that is I think that's one of the really cool things about it yeah and and that you know with screenwriting you're really writing something that isn't the finished product uh, but, you know, that that process of giving away even happens when it is the finished product. If you're writing, I mean, I don't professionally write like poetry or, you know, anything uh, other than screenplays. But you are give, you're always giving it away to the audience when they read it. It's no longer yours anymore. It's theirs. And that's, of course, there's a kind of painful process to that. Sometimes sometimes they say, no, it's 
it's not you, you think it means this it doesn't mean this i think it means this you know and it's not yours anymore uh mm. or i don't like it you know and you can't protect it anymore so it's it's a you know as i'm sure you know it's a strange process of kind of going very inside yourself and coming out with something and then uh and giving it away <laughs> you know yeah. and in screenwriting i think because although you do have writer directors uh there's that sort of baked into the process because it's much more common that you have you give it away and someone directs it for you mm -hmm. all right i'll close this out here by just asking when you find a piece of writing or when you watch a film and the writing just strikes you as so good um, and it just kind of hits you, how does that make you feel? Um, I very, like almost uh, a kind of airy lifted feeling <laughs> like uh, of lightness, uh, you know, I, I feel, uh, you know, Yes, yeah, so a kind of lightness. When I think about the writing I really like, it it lifts me, you know. Mm. That does that count? Does that yeah. answer? Uh I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, whether it's, you know, comedy or drama, I think there's a kind of elevation an elevation that happens inside you when you when you are experiencing something that is real truly artful, you know. And uh, and that's what gets you hooked so much. It's a kind of, you know, the the writer delves into their interior world and comes out with the work. And it, it's a kind of communion with this interior world that is them and not them. And then if if it's sculpted right and, you know, you know, delivered right to someone else, they get a piece of that elevated world. And that's what, you know, that's why I'm drawn to other artists <laughs> because I get a little piece of that. <clears throat> and that's what I search for in my own writing. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It's so great to talk to you. It was lovely talking to you. That was Steve Collins, an associate professor of film at Wesleyan. Next, we'll be hearing from Audrey Mills. Audrey Mills is a Wesleyan sophomore from Houston, Texas, majoring in film with a writing certificate. She is a screenwriter, playwright, and musician involved with the Middletown Gather Project and active in several student productions on campus. Her latest album, The Amateur, came out in summer 2020. Here's Audrey Mills. Audrey. I'm in the class of 2023. I'm a film major. I'm trying to pursue the writing certificate as well. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Houston, Texas. In the past, um, I focused a lot on writing, like writing songs, writing scripts, like looking at the intersection between those things. Um, and like now at Wesley and I get to like explore all different areas of film and I still do like songwriting and music in my personal life but um, I do come from much more of a writing background than a general film background. That's great um, and what did you bring in for us today? Ooh, well I brought in a clip from a movie called It's Such a Beautiful Day by Don Hertzfeldt. 
Um, and what you're about to listen to uh, is accompanied on the screen by um, like small, like comedic stick figure animations of what is happening, what is being narrated. In the supermarket, Bill was always very careful to select fruit from only the back of the produce piles, as the fruit in the front was at crotch level to the other customers. An old man who smelled of gasoline held up an onion and said, Big Onion, to no one in particular. He smiled at Bill and Bill looked at his socks. At the checkout counter, Bill found himself behind a big guy whose t-shirt read, Second place is the first loser. The checkout girl said, How are you doing today? Bill said, Fine, thanks. How are you? She didn't answer. Bill felt used. As he waited for his next bus, Bill stared at a torn shopping bag that was blowing in the wind on the end of a broken pole and anxiously sucked blood out of a sore in the corner of his mouth. Thank you so much for bringing that piece onto the show. Of course. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about why you chose to bring this clip in? Um, well, first of all, I love this entire movie and no other piece of art means as much to me as It's Such a Beautiful Day does. Um, and it was very hard to choose a clip from it that's like a little bit self-contained and doesn't rely on the visuals too much because later in the movie the visuals and the audio get like a lot more intertwined um and i don't know the story gets a little bit um looser and messier and i feel like it would be hard to follow from like a a 50 second clip however this is at the beginning where, where you're still getting introduced to the world um and you're just like i don't know seeing the ways in which Bill sees the world. Um, you haven't quite figured out what's going on yet, but um, it's very entertaining. And it feels like you're kind of like watching some sort of observational cartoon strip uh, before everything goes to shit. Uh, and I just, I love the tone of this movie that is developed from the combination of like the opera music. I think this might be the Pearl Fishers uh, and uh, the dialogue or not even dialogue, just narration. Uh, there's barely any dialogue in this movie, actually. Uh, it's like mostly just an internal monologue narrated by uh, the guy who animated and wrote the film. Wow. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about why this piece means so much to you um, and maybe the first time you discovered it? Yeah, sure. Um, so I first watched this movie uh when i was at a summer program after my uh junior year of high school at usc uh some people put it on uh in the lounge of the dorm where we were all staying um and i walked in and like i was kind of tired and i kind of had to pee and i really didn't know what to expect and that whole movie i just held in my pee because it was so captivating um it hit the hardest the first time I watched it, I think, and I definitely cried because a large theme of the movie is um, you kind of experience Bill losing his memories alongside him um, and like the visuals kind of unravel before your eyes and you're very much placed in his position. 
Um, and my grandma had just recently died before I, I saw it for the first time. Um, and she had Alzheimer's and like a lot of the themes from the movie were ringing true with that experience for me. Um, so I just connected to it extremely intensely. Uh, and also I just, at the time, maybe informed by that event, I was fixating a lot on death and how it informed life um, and how like, I don't know, it, it gave things value, like what makes life worth living, um, all of those sorts of things. And I don't think I've seen them as elegantly explored anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie knows the meaning of life. <laughs> I, I think it it knows how to just super effectively communicate what it means to be a human and why it's worth it. And it reminded me of that on that day. And I've watched it multiple times a year, every year since to remind myself that. Wow. That's really powerful. You mentioned how important writing has been for you. Can you talk a little bit about the role of writing in your life? Um, yeah, sure. I feel like I have a very complicated relationship with writing because it is the thing that I love the most. So it is also the thing I fear the most Um, in terms of nothing from the external world can affect me more than a piece of writing. And I'm talking about writing in like all forms of art here as well, not just reading something, but um, in movies and songs, like nothing can get through my skull as much as writing. Um, And like, because I find words so powerful and because I find them sticking with me for years after I experienced them, uh, when it comes time for me to like do some writing myself, I just feel this immense weight of how much it means to me. And that can be terrifying. I, I feel like if there is something I could fully and solely dedicate myself to in kind of a nun-like way, it would be writing. But that's something I haven't done because I'm still, I'm holding myself back a bit, um, still in this space of fear and it's fear born from love and it's fear born from, I know how much power this can have. Mm. Why do you think words hold so much power? I think it's because they're intentional. Um, And I feel like there are other modes of experiencing life. And there's like all this other stimuli that is still very powerful and kind of like different from words and that it's just kind of like happening and it wasn't planned. Uh, Like, I don't know if you just like sit and watch nature, like that's powerful in its own way. And that feels like poetry in its own way. Um, But the difference there is that like nature is like, it's occurring and it's existing. And like words only exist because they were premeditated. Mm. Um, So in the case of words, you're looking at, this ghost of another person's experience and they've already 
interpreted what they've seen and experienced. They've already interpreted like the nature that you otherwise would have watched yourself. So it's not like you're getting something pre-digested, but um, you're getting something intentional and you're getting something from an entirely new lens. Mm. When I was talking with Professor Collins, we talked a little bit about writing for film and how that means having at some point to give your script over to a director if you're not Don Hertzfeld and you're (laughs) writing and producing your entire movie. Because writing is such an intentional and a powerful experience, what do you feel like is the relationship between writing something and giving it over to another person, to director, to experience for themselves? Um, I think it requires a lot of trust. And I know that for screenwriters, or or at least like the aspiring screenwriters that I've talked to, knowing that that will happen is something that like kind of disturbs a lot of people when they first hear about it, when they're getting into screenwriting, it's like, Oh, I won't have like full control over my work the whole time. Um, But then it turns into something entirely beautiful. I think when it's like, you're, you're handing your baby over to someone else and they adopt it. Like, that's what it looks like to me. It becomes like such a true collaboration when like someone else gets to like fully interpret your work in their own way. Um, And you're not still there like swatting away their hands from the parts that like you like the most, you know, like they can like interpret it with the full force of their being and their artistry. um, And you are kind of like held back and you have to let that happen. um, And I think that's awesome. So you're a film major and you also write songs and I know that you have a background in a lot of other modes of writing as well. How do you feel like medium impacts um, writing? Well, something interesting I have noticed is that it feels like it's a lot easier to be vulnerable in songs than in other Mm -hmm. forms of writing because you kind of have like the music to lean on and to obscure things um and so it's like very easy to be like vulnerable and direct there um you don't have to beat around the bush you can just like say what you're intending to say um sometimes even more like bluntly than you can in poetry um i feel like songs don't have to handle things necessarily with the same amount of delicacy. Um, And script writing in a way can, you can find more places to be vulnerable in there as well than like in writing you would read from the page because like, like in songs, there's like the music accompanying the words and people will listen to that as well. Uh, With script writing, there will be the visuals. Um, so it's like it it's not directly coming from you anymore like it's not like told from your point of view necessarily uh, but you can like still sneak in lines and moments that like hit really hard for you while also being comforted by the fact that people will experience that very clearly in the context of this other story that's not about you that's not about your life um 
I, I think that can be a bit liberating. Yeah. This is going to be our last episode of the Shapiro podcast. Um, and I think that something that keeps coming up again and again in the conversations that we've been having is sort of the idea of writing as a way to sort of connect with someone else's interior world, which I think is something that like you see it really strongly as, I guess I'm wondering, how do you feel when you encounter someone else's personal world? You know, how do you feel when you stumble across something that sort of reflects yourself or that reflects something totally different from yourself you know how do you feel when you encounter writing that just hits you I react so viscerally I feel like I've been punched in the stomach sometimes I have to sit down like it is such an intense and physical thing to read or hear or see something that really really hits um like in that moment when you realize that someone else has experienced something in a way that you connect with so deeply, even if it's not an experience you share. Um, that feels like the meaning of life right there. Like, I don't even know how to describe the amount of catharsis that can be released from a moment like that. And I don't think that there's any limit to it. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for coming on to the show today. That's about our time. But it was so great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. That was Audrey Mills, a sophomore majoring in film with a writing certificate. Thanks for listening to the Words of Wesleyan. This show is produced by the Shapiro Center for Writing at Wesleyan University. It's hosted by me, Anna Cheltbait, and was created by Anna Cheltbait, Amy Bloom, and Stephanie Weiner. Our theme music is Let Me Make It Clear by Professor Jay Hogarth from his album Harlem Hieroglyphs. Special thanks to our guests, Steve Collins and Audrey Mills, for appearing on this episode. Thanks again to all our listeners, and we hope you enjoyed the episode.